Welcome back to Hack the Industry. Tune in each episode to learn from the experts about where software is taking industries. Today on the show, we have Chase Bonnegg. Chase is CEO and co-founder of First Ignite, a company that has developed the first ever sales tool for scientific research and intellectual property. With a four-step process that includes a proprietary AI matching engine, Chase and his team are on a mission to, quote, equip scientists and the people around them with the tools they need to get research to market. On this episode, you'll hear about what First Ignite is working on, as well as the following topics. Testing an AI matching algorithm, trends in research commercialization, and a new collaboration model between universities and companies. So with that, welcome to the show, Chase. Great to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's it's a it's kind of like a reunion for us. We had a, a, a recording around the same time last year when the whole world was in a different place, and you know I'm I'm sure that things have um, uh, definitely been uh, a little bit different for you and and first ignite in this past year. Yeah, it, well, it, it is a reunion. It's fun as a startup CEO to be back on the show a little bit over a year later. Um, lots changed, and yeah, the, the environment changes, and our mission stays the same. Yeah, I love it. And so, you know, on that on that note, in the current moment, why is it such an exciting time to work in your industry? What's what's going on? What's the buzz? Well, I think it's always an exciting time to work around scientific research. That's one of the reasons we got in, in touch with this business. Uh, groundbreaking research has been taking place, you know, every day since I guess humanity was probably started. But the buzz around our space right now is now more than ever scientists are very interested in working with commercial organizations to help monetize and commercialize their research. So with that added desire and the scientists um, seeking that out, it puts us in a great position. Yeah, definitely. And as I mentioned, you were here on the podcast a year ago. And back then, the journey for First Night was kind of just starting and uh, a lot of things were happening. And in that time, as I mentioned in the introduction, you've had uh, a, a proprietary AI algorithm developed um, as well as expansion on your sales and just a lot of cool stuff going on. And so um, can you kind of just catch us up on, on what's been going on with First Ignite and then also kind of briefly describe how this product works? I believe it's called Aloris, right? Yeah. So a lot, lot has happened. Uh, in the last 12 months, First Ignite has worked with over 11 universities around the world. We've connected hundreds of technologies and businesses with academic support scientists and uh, we've also raised some capital. So it's been a great year. Uh, it was a tough year, but we're a tough team. So that's good. And then as for how our product works, at the core of what we do, we build natural language processing software. Uh, it helps us maintain no domain expertise in the science we're working with. So First Ignite, my team on a daily basis are supporting cancer therapies and hydrogen production technologies, cybersecurity softwares, uh, new energy storage technologies to, to change you know, batteries capabilities. Um, but we, we focus not on the technologies themselves or what they are, but we focus on the words associated with them. And in doing so enables us to uh, identify companies and organizations the way we describe it as speak the same scientific language as each other. And, and when we put organizations with scientists that speak the same scientific language, what we're seeing at a, at a pretty rapid pace is those are, those are individuals that want to be in discussion with each other, that want to work together, and that becomes business development for the scientific community. 
Yeah, and especially this year with uh, the the COVID pandemic, and we'll get into this a little bit later with uh, an interesting case study I have for you. Um, but I think it's it's it just goes to show the crucial connections that we have between the private and public sector, especially when it comes to innovation. I think those partnerships are obviously well recognized across the country and the world, but I think this past year has really shown that those need to be further structured and and further uh, nurtured so that we can bring out uh, this this kind of innovation that we have in this past year every year. Um, and so, you know, on that note, I want to I want to dive into kind of our three topics uh, for this episode, and the first one being related to that uh, algorithm, Eloris. Um, and so basically, you know, you describe that it's kind of like a, a natural language processing algorithm that is helping basically to take some, let's say, a scientific uh, uh, report or paper, um, scan through that, find the correct trends and find the correct um, uh, topic topics or, or um, buzzwords within that paper and then go and see, you know, what are the, what, who are the best um, uh, people on the commercial side to then connect f- through that research. Is that a good understanding of what this product is? The area that we focus pretty heavily on are research publications. So, um, you know, through Semantic Scholar, thanks to Allen Institute for AI, you got 189 million research publications available in a data set for us. And, and that's a lot of data and text to work through. And then the U- U.S. patent data. So all of those are they range from 30,000 to 50,000 word documents, usually um, chock full of value when it comes to natural language processing and looking for the, the types of relationship mapping that we're doing. Got it. Yeah. And, and as part of that algorithm, so as part of that engine then rather, so what's happening is once these um, reports are gone through your tool, you're then kind of mapping who the best uh, folks are to talk to. And as part of that, there's a lot of different hypotheses that you test um, to improve this algorithm. And I'm sure the engineering team at First Ignite has been hard at work doing that. Um, and so I'm curious to ask you, you know, what are, what have been those most fruitful hypotheses for you while testing this algorithm? What is, what has been, um, what have been, what have been some of those important factors to keep in mind when creating the best tool that can match the research with the industry partner? Yeah, you're absolutely right. For engineering team has been busy. So, um, First thing I got to do before answering that is give a shout out to Cody Plowski, our CTO, and his team, which includes Dylan, Dylan Umbel, uh, Victoria, and Matthew Lafredo. Um, really just, I mean, a top-notch team helping solve some of the world's problems. So shout out to them. But uh, yeah, some of the most useful algorithms. Well, it, it depends how you look at the data. So there's two things that we have to solve for that are really, really difficult and that we're, we're starting to learn from and, and get improved. And, and one is... When we look at scientific research, it's what is the company that is going to be interested in that scientific research? Really, really early stage, core base, you know, scientific base uh, technologies. And so various algorithms are worried about, is it is it intellectual property of those organizations that help us understand? Is the competitors who don't have intellectual property in that space? Um, we, we've got a lot of algorithms working around the companies themselves, but that's only one step of it. We're very good at identifying the companies and the thing that we're probably even better at is the people. So um, within those organizations, just because you know that an organization of 80,000 employees is going to be interested in a piece of scientific research, the next question and the thing that we have to solve for, that First Ignite solves for is who out of those 80,000 people is going to be the right person to get in touch with. And so, um, you know, the work we do is to better understand what are the companies that are going to be um, interested in that research, and then what are the job titles that are going to be able to get those those companies to respond and to engage with our university partners? 
Yeah. So you mentioned job titles. Um, I'm curious, you know, I'm kind of picturing this in my head, what the end-to-end process would look like. You know, let's say I, I am using this tool to um, scan a paper on biotechnology, for example, and specifically computational biology. So I'm looking for buzzwords around so- the intersection of software and medicine or software and uh, genetics. So when you mentioned titles, right, or, or people... Um, uh, at, at a certain uh, role in a company in the commercial sector, how are you finding, do you have a preset set of what those um, titles are? Do you kind of know beforehand who exactly to map this tool to? Uh, how, is, how does that work? Yeah, so, so first thing, you know, on the buzzword side of things, I think one of the things that separates Versignite and some of our technological breakthroughs is that it's not just about the individual words. So we're, we're full text. So um, the individual words within that, that scientific document are, are kind of helpful, but that's really at a high level, you know, that would be more like taking individual words in there. But when you look at the full text, I think that's where the, 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 it really starts to tell a story, um, the relationships within sentence, sentence structure, paragraph structure. So we probably run more text than anybody else in the market. And I think um, our, pro- our, our processing probably uh, cost maybe shows that, but it's really helpful. But on the other side of the equation, this is, this is probably the toughest thing to solve, which is who's the right person in an organization. First Ignite approaches it a few different ways, which is really helpful and very effective. Uh, we look at businesses in, in twofold. So we, we understand that businesses have a commercial side of their organization, and we look at job titles associated with strategy, product, technology, uh, think, things along those lines. And then we look at organizations and we say, okay, they also have a research side of their business. So we're going to see scientist and engineer, um, R&D, um, and, and we've got manager, director, vice president. And so when we separate it two different ways, we, we look at getting into an organization in two different ways. And one is if... if one door doesn't open, we've got another door to check, and, and we've got a few other doors to check. And so what you're starting to see on from our end is a really strong understanding of how to cluster job titles together to to be able to kind of get multiple outbound campaigns to be able to find the right person in that organization. Because one thing we learned from our universities early on that they taught us was um, there is no one end be all job title that's going to get you into an organization. They might have somebody like an alliance manager or a job that's like dedicated to partnering with academic institutions. But that does, if you rely on just that one position, you're never going to get in the door. Um, You know, you're going to be beat out by Stanford's or the MIT's of the world. So if you're Western Michigan University and you want to get in there, you've got to get a little bit more creative. And I think that's what First Ignite focuses on. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. So before we move on to the next topic I want to cover, um, so with the example you gave of Western Michigan University, can you maybe walk me through, let's say I am the vice president of innovation at Western Michigan University, and you, uh, Chase from First Ignite, come and approach me and say, hey, I want to I partner with, uh, with you guys, and I want to show you what we're building here. You know, end-to-end, what is that, um, uh, from, a, from a technical perspective, right, end-to-end, what is going to happen? How, how will you explain... Um, what your what your product does and eventually what value it's adding to uh to my department here at the university yeah so when we meet with the university it's pretty pretty simple um do you want to generate more revenue and bring new opportunities to your campus and the answer is usually pretty pretty sounding yes um and and how are you going to do that and these universities are sitting on large research portfolios so western michigan does about 50 million a year in research uh, which is an R2 university, so it's very impressive, uh, very significant. It's not a small amount of dollars. Um, end-to-end, we can do two things. One, we can take patents that they have available. So in, in Western Michigan's case, a 3D metal prototyping technology we worked with recently and, and delivered quite a 
bit of success. Um, our end goal is to deliver what we call conversations of value. So we are going to put them on the phone on our Zoom with industry who want to talk about that specific research and, and the way all Western Machine has to do is tell us what technology or what professor they want to connect to industry. We take the scientific literature associated with that professor. We look at that as their intellectual capabilities or the patent associated with an available technology. We run it through Loris. First step, Loris is going to identify the companies probably most interested in the, most with the highest probability of being interested in that technology. Um, we look at those companies. We, we verify that they're a strong match. Pull a lever, competitive relationship uh, um, algorithm we've done, and then we generate a bunch of competitors for those companies as well. So we get a really high top of funnel, we call it. It's a business development tool. So very high top of funnel of organizations interested in partnering on that research. And then the next step is is we generate leads from um, a very significant lead database for us. And then we run pretty automated campaigns and put meetings on the calendar of university. And so in 2021, for every technology that First Ignite has worked with, we have delivered multiple meetings with industry within seven days of receiving a technology. And these are technologies that the universities we're working with have been sitting on from anywhere from 13 years to as little as two years. Um, that, that's the age of the technology we've been working with. And, and just so that anybody who's listening understands how important that is, this is like serious government-funded technology that deserves to be to market, and, and no one's probably ever delivered results as quickly without any domain expertise. That's all using our software uh, and, and connecting a few dots. So it's it's really exciting time for us. Yeah, I love the way you explain that. It's kind of like you're digging up old treasure, right? I mean, 13 years of research that has come from let's you know let's be honest taxpayer dollars that is sitting around in a research lab or in a a uh, digital digital safe somewhere right and it's it's not been looked at for a long time it's not been um, studied or revised for a long time and here you are now able to then extract that um, find its its match um, and then go and see you know what what further iterations of uh, innovation can come from that research. So that's, that's super exciting. And, you know, on that note, um, I want to kind of move to some trends, right, in this, um, in this space. And as we talk about this commercialization of scientific research, and we talk about digging up old treasure and uh, doing that through an automated fashion with AI and, and technology and software, et cetera, um, what are some of those trends that you're seeing uh, by by working with this day in day out, um, as far as 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 far as both technical and non technical um, for this for this space? The biggest trend is the willingness of the academic institutions and the professors that are part of those academic institutions being open and willing to converse with and understanding the importance of collaborating with industry. That that hands down is the biggest trend. I think 10 years ago, if you tried to do what First Ignite is doing, you would have had professors who are like unnecessary. You'd have universities who said, no, 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 we, we don't need to market ourselves. We, we aren't, you know, we're, they'd be less interested in such a high volume of, of potential commercial collaboration. But because of the high volume of outstanding research without that hasn't been commercialized, and overall, just the high volume of research. U.S. universities are doing seventy-six billion dollars a year, so uh, we, we they're very open and willing to partner with uh, industry. So that willingness sets the stage for us to be successful. The trends that we're starting to see are um, a shift away from so tech transfer. And last time we talked, most of everything we did was around tech transfer, and that's this office within the university responsible for finding partners for their intellectual property to take forward. That's been a huge customer base of ours, 
the fastest growing customer base we have right now is working directly with the colleges, like the College of Engineering, to deliver industry partners to their professors well before a patent is even filed. So the professors are getting feedback on their research, they're sending PhD students to these organizations, and they're developing relationships that then in turn will lead to probably expedited, will lead to expedited um, commercialization over the long run. Yeah, and so you mentioned that there's so much uh, funding being put into research, uh, you know, both pub- publicly and privately across this country. Um, do you think that there is a there needs to be a better vetting of where that money is going? Because in my experience, I've seen that there's oftentimes a push, let's say for example, from a research lab that really wants to get in more students to explore a certain area of interest. With the influence that that research lab might have through past success they're able to do that very quickly and they can go and get that funding, whether it's through a grant or otherwise in you, in what you're seeing with all this hidden research uh, across the country in universities, is there a better need to vet the um, funding process or, or, or donor process when it comes to these research labs or, or is that process fine the way it is? Well, I think, one of the beautiful things about the United States of America is the amount of federal funding we are putting into the research laboratories across the country. You know, I, as we look to improve the commercialization process, the only reason our opportunity exists is because we've we've dedicated as a country that we know science is important and we're we're focused on that. And so, I think that 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 side of the equation is. I, I, I won't get into whether I think that could be improved or not. It's just important that the money's there and that we're funding core scientific research for purpose of science, not just commercialization. Now, when you flip the coin and ask me, what should the private sector do? Well, the private sector should come in with very specific needs and interests to say, hey, I need a widget designed so I can detect non-metallic material up to six feet under the ground. I can currently detect anything that's metallic, but um, I need to detect non-metallic items as well. Specific research problems given to researchers with the capabilities of solving them, and then funding those solutions specifically. I think that is the trend that needs to take place. I don't think the the federal government can take that approach because they need to fund science for science sake. Otherwise, we're not going to have the intellectual capabilities. We're not going to have some of the breakthroughs that are necessary. But on the private sector side, that's the huge opportunity that exists is it's cheaper to outsource that R&D to a laboratory, most likely, most likely at a school like Western Michigan University, who will probably do that research at a fraction of the cost of a Stanford or MIT um, if they can get it done for you. And so I think that the specificity um, or the specific requirements of those research projects when industry partners is going to help make sure that, at least on those projects, that the, the output of that research is something that it will will get to the human population, which is overall the goal of any scientist is they want their research to make a difference in the world. And I think doing research projects for companies on things that are in their current R&D pipeline will help enable that. Yeah, I love that. And that leads to my third topic that I wanted to cover. Um, and we kind of teed that up perfectly. And so, um, you know, instead of instead of uh, what it's traditionally been, it's been academics. It's been the academia space seeking those industry partnerships. 
Um, but recently we've been seeing that flipped and we've been seeing companies creating these incubators or creating these uh, research accelerators and, and in other ways open sourcing their private data to then create these partnerships with academia or even the general public. We have you know sites like Kaggle, for example, that um, post open source data sets that are allowed that are allowing companies to uh, crowdsource their research, for example. Um, so give you, to give you an example, Chase, so you know back in January of 2020, before the world knew about disease in this way that we do, we do now, uh, there was actually a proposal called the World Without Disease um, created through a company. And what they wanted to do was engage the innovation ecosystem of Japan uh, and identify breakthrough solutions in medicine, specifically in lung cancer, um, healthy aging, infant health, neuroscience, etc., um, because they found that those were areas of significant uh, unmet need in that country. Um, and so that's just one example of what I mentioned, right, of, of these companies flipping the script and creating these incubators or these partnerships with, um, with, with academia. And so this new collaboration model then, um, obviously, you know, before when the academia had to uh, seek out these industry partnerships, it was very transactional because um, they were, there were NDAs involved, there were restrictive contracts involved, um, and, and there are still now as well, right, with these, these flipped partnerships still. Um, but my question to you, Chase, is um, we're seeing the benefits of these more collaborative and open and long-term relationships as opposed to a company approaching someone and saying, hey, I need your university to create this over the next six months. We'll pay you X, Y, and Z, and that's it. We move on. And so my question to you is, why should companies structure longer-term partnerships with universities? Should it be transactional or should it be more collaborative and open where they can they can understand that there might be some time elapsed before a true success comes out of that partnership? Well, universities aren't going anywhere. So absolutely, you should be partnering for the long-term. These are, these are institutions and, and their scientific expertise, unlike probably the talent inside most corporations, aren't turning over year after year. Most, most professors are there, tenured professors, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years retire. And, and so absolutely long-term partnerships with laboratories, I think, is, is of the utmost importance. Um, I think for any company, and this is something I've been thinking about lately, but for any company, and, and as you may know my background and others might not, but corporate innovation was an area I spent some time in, and so was university venture capital. And um, when I was working in corporate innovation, if we were to flip the script and ask our customers, when we, who are the top researchers in their field? What are the top universities who, who are solving the problems that are core to the technology behind your organization? From it's it wasn't it wouldn't have always been clear. And from my experience on this other side of the table, it's definitely not always there. And so I, I absolutely think that universe that corporations and organizations and companies and startups and everyone shouldn't just be looking at universities as a source of talent to hire for their organizations. I think the long-term partnerships with the research laboratories and the scientific expertise and the intellectual capabilities that are sitting in the institutes and the colleges that are solving these problems um, will lead to, a, to lead to a much better commercialization process. And, and again, it'll feed the talent pipeline. It'll feed the R&D pipeline. Um, and, and it won't turn over and leave to your competitor if you lock them in for long-term relationships. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And the reason I asked that is because, you know, we're seeing more and more of these uh, R&D facilities opening up on campuses, right? And I think that it's, while that is one, while that is the first step, I think what you said, right, about um, the the level of talent at the university level um, and the level of more, more so than talent, the level of uh, dedication that's given to research and to the process of science is something you can't really find in, in the majority of the public's of the uh, commercial sector. Um, because obviously there are different, um, there, there's a different bottom line uh, for a company um, than the, the glory of science. Right. Uh, and I think that that is something that uh, is, is sort of recognized, but not really spoken out loud. Um, but I think hopefully we should be seeing more of that uh, now that um, we've seen the benefits of innovation this past year, especially in medicine. Uh, so that leads to my last point, Chase. Um, I want to kind of pose a case study for you um, about the use of First Ignite for, uh, for the COVID vaccine. And so, you know, let's say we have a university lab uh, that is working on a uh, on COVID vaccine research, and they're working on a way to not have the need for those ultra uh, ultra low freezers. They're working on a way to make this very easily accessible to uh, to a large part of the world. How does First Ignite's platform accelerate that research, and how do the, how does First Ignite play a role in in making it so that the general public can get vaccinated faster? So, I think the 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 biggest thing from from our end uh, is that first we have to commend scientists around the world. In less than a year from a pandemic starting, we've gotten a vaccine to market, which is super exciting. The intellectual capabilities and the individuals capable of solving those problems that contributed thought to that have been working on similar solutions for a very, very long time. So whether they were involved in the initial SARS uh, vaccination research or other vaccinations, um, that's been taking place in the laboratory, but the demand for it to be commercially available has never been stronger than it has with COVID. First Ignite, working with the laboratories on their other inventions, so um, is, is why it's so important is that although the market demand hasn't been there for other solutions that those laboratories have pushed out and these universities have focused on, establishing the commercial partnerships between those laboratories and the commercial partners who are gonna take that technology to market is absolutely vital to solving the world's problems. And that is because when that professor or that laboratory who is able to solve those problems, who's working on solutions to other diseases, is connected with the organizations that can commercialize them and take them forward, um, that's the only way that business is going to get done. It doesn't get done when the laboratory is sitting isolated from the rest of the world or from the commercial world. And it definitely doesn't get done when the commercial world's talking about how they want these things in their R&D pipeline, but aren't connected to the professors or the individuals who may already have them going. And so the world of First Ignite not only just solves the vaccination aspect, but you know, you talk about deep freezing, cryogenics, you, you talk about all the things that surround getting a vaccine to market or keeping it alive and things like that. That's all deep science, you know, keeping a technology at, at negative, you know, 200 degrees or something along the lines and the, the solutions that are capable of doing that. I mean, that's deep science as well. And so I think that um, and there's so many commercial organizations that contribute to everything, not just the vaccine creation. And so getting getting those scientists in the hands of those right people is what we're focused on. It's what we're focused on every day. And, and I think that the key is, is we can't wait until a, a worldwide pandemic uh, to demand that we push the science closer to market availability for the population. You know, definitely, I, I agree with that sentiment. There's there's a lot of praise to be spread out when it comes to the speed at which we've been able to uh, create these vaccines, not only in this country, but across the world. And um, 
you know, I would just venture to say, let's not make that, um, let, let's make that a habit, you know, let's make that not something, uh, of a miracle, but rather something of, of a, um, of, of the ordinary. Um, and I think, uh, with what, with what first and is doing, I think that is definitely a possibility in the near future. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, some exciting things going on there. And, um, before we wrap up, you know, I just want to uh, give you a chance to shout out your platforms and, um, you know, where can our listeners follow your journey and the first Ignite journey on social media? Yeah, I think LinkedIn probably, I mean, we're, we're just actually, you know, we've been in business a couple of years. Our marketing, our marketing is probably minimal. We're focused on our customer relationships and, and what we do know, but yeah, LinkedIn's a good place to follow us. I think that's where you'll continue to see word from us. Um, if you're in our industry, I'm sure you hear from us because we are very good at email marketing and we're out in front of you. Um, and then other things I'd like to shout out quickly is the rest of my team, uh, David Mealy, Anthony Miller, um, our investors, Red Cedar Ventures, Connect Ventures, we're part of the Conquer Startup Accelerator, so that's been huge. Um, and then some of our major customers, you know, the work we're doing with Carnegie Mellon University or Drexel University or the University of California Davis or Stony Brook University, um, it's a big deal. We get to, they, they allow us to even be, play a part in this whole thing that is scientific research commercialization. And uh, we feel pretty honored by that because we're working on things that are a bit above our pay grade usually, you know, cancer therapies and, and solutions to the world's problems. And, and we're just so appreciative to have the chance to play the, the small small role that we do in helping, you know, get some of that stuff. Auburn University, sorry, I do not want to, we love, we love Auburn University. To, um, but yeah, the, the role that we get to play is just a blessing. And, and as more and more schools and professors and organizations um, believe in the brand and the, the, the reputation that we're creating by delivering results, we're just so excited for what that's going to do for our future. And what can we expect to hear from uh, First Ignite as far as your roadmap for this year? Yeah, we may end up at least doubling our team in the next six months, if not more. We'll be raising a, a significant seed round, to say the least. Um, we've got most of that committed. Um, and our goal is to serve 100 universities this year. I, uh, how is that possible? Well, we'll see. There's a lot of things that we don't have access to that we're going to get access to. And then there's also something about um, the results we've been delivering and, and how that's really going to help us as we expand. So um, this year, I think that we're, we're coming to a campus near you, that's for sure. Um, and any way we can to get in touch with them is, is really big, whether that's at a professor level, whether that's at a uh, dean of a college level, whether that's at a tech transfer level, or our favorite, which is either the vice president of research or the president of the university. We're, we're ready to talk. We're ready to help. Yeah, and you mentioned you know, the, the efforts behind growing the team. Are there any open positions already out there? And if so, where can the listeners apply? Yeah, so we definitely are, so probably two positions. Um, one, someone we call it a partnership development representative, similar to a sales development representative, but but someone who's running campaigns on behalf of universities. We're doing them in high volume, very high volume, uh, pretty automated, but but someone to help manage that that communication flow to help make it easier for the university. Uh, you got to be interested in technology, and you got to be interested in the mission that we're trying to accomplish. So if you want to play a role in connecting scientific expertise, capable of solving the world's problems, with companies capable of uh, bringing those solutions to market, that that role is available. And then on the engineering side. Um, um, probably this year, we, in addition to the roles we're kind of already 
have kind of earmarked or full um, natural language processing engineer, probably entry level is what we're looking for. We like to train our own. We, we think that's just the, the right model for us right now. Uh, and then um, backend engineer that, that really understands how to bring in new data sets. So the reason our software is good is because we rely on an aggregation of data and we need someone to come in and help us uh, make sense of structured and unstructured data and tie it into a whole bunch of other data and, and um, be able to m make intelligent decisions off, off, you know, non parallel data sets. So yeah, we're, we're excited about that. And those are definitely positions of interest and then tons of other stuff. Get in touch with me. If you like what we're doing, come tell us and we'll try to find a way to get work with you. You know, I think that's the key part is what, I don't know what all we need. We, we don't have everything. There's five of us right now. So, um, if you think you can come add value to this, this, uh, this equation, we're, we're willing to hear how you think that you can contribute. Love that. It's the true startup attitude. Um, so last question for you, Chase, um, from our discussion today, what is maybe the one most important takeaway that you urge our listeners to walk away with either about first ignite or about this industry or really anything? The answer is the world's problems are sitting in the minds of scientists around the world. Um, we've got to find ways to get in touch with them and to understand that and to help get that to market. That, that's that's the big thing is that these aren't we don't have to invent everything new a lot of stuff is ready to roll um whether you're a company and you want to expand your r d pipeline or you're an individual who wants to become an entrepreneur let's partner with our scientists and help them out so if you've got a commercial side skill set let's work with our scientists and help get solutions to market as quick as we did the covid vaccine Awesome. I love that. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, and to our listeners, of course, follow us on our platforms. Uh, we have our office hours that we just launched um, that are coming in February. And, and check out our LinkedIn page, Hack the Industry, for that as well. Um, and I'll, I'll leave all the, all the information for Chase and First Ignite in our show notes for this episode. But thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.